If you had asked anyone about the best video stores, film festivals, or cinemas 30 years ago, you would have gotten a consistent response. TLA Video. Today, it's hard to find someone who even knows the man who started it, or remembers TLA at all. Still, the impact he and his company had is present all over Philadelphia. So, for all of you who don't know, let me introduce Ray Murray, the founder of the Theater of Living Arts Entertainment Group. You may not know him, but he's been a part of the entertainment business since he was a kid. Although I started at 17, so it wasn't much of a early thing, because I, I kind of fell into it becoming an usher at a movie theater. And then from there, I never left the business. His love for movies was present through the ages, but one of the movies that really sparked his interest was The French Connection. Um, there was neighborhood movie theaters everywhere, so I would go to each one in Northeast Philadelphia and, and watch a ton of movies. When I was a really young kid, um, I saw, um, well, I saw French Connection, when I, and that was like a wild film. I didn't even understand it. And I remember my father telling me a bit about it and stuff, and, and I loved the action. I loved it, you know, kind of the whole acting and everything like that, and I, it was one of my favorite films as a, as a kid. His beginning in the industry may have started with that movie, but he also owes a lot to that first push, all the way back when he was an usher as well as his own will and courage to save something he had come to love. So I started as an usher, then someone said, um, there was a movie theater at 16th and Market that doesn't exist anymore, the Mogum movie theater. And someone said, you shouldn't be here, you should be down on South Street with the hippies. So I went with him down to the TLA cinema, it was called. And they liked me and I immediately became an apprentice as a projectionist, and then started working there as a projectionist. And then, I did this all through college at Temple, but then I stayed there um, and became the manager of the theater. And then it closed um, through financial problems with the owner and stuff like that. So then I got my friends together and said, let's make an effort to buy it again. So we took over the theater in 1981. After they took it over, the business quickly evolved and grew. It began as a small art house movie theater but as time passed, TLA opened video stores, began a film distribution service, and even pioneered the practice of selling VHS tapes online. But it didn't stop there. I had a lot of energy, so then I, I started up the, um, the Gay Lesbian Film Festival in 95, and then I took over the International Film Festival in 2001, or 2000, and ran that for 10 years, ran the... Uh, the Gay Festival right till a few years ago when I just kind of, after 19 years, I thought I did it enough. Um, and I wrote a book uh, called uh, Images in the Dark about uh, a lesbian film that came out in, in the mid-90s. And uh, uh, So I just kind of constantly just stayed in the business and did all different aspects of it. Despite Ray's extensive experience, even he had trouble over the years. In fact, some of those ideas brought TLA so close to the edge that it seemed like they'd have to go out of business. There was a point where I thought TLA was going to go out of business. We went to a lawyer and we talked about going into Chapter 11, bankruptcy. And um, they gave us the whole layout. And, and then I went back and said, no, we're not going to go back. Let's do this. And, um, and we worked hard and then we got back to solvency. So, um, so it's that struggle sometimes, just the business end, which didn't interest me as much, but you had to do it. Instead of focusing on the business side, 
Ray preferred to work on TLA's impact. His goal was always to bring alternative movies into the light and hopefully educate and entertain through them. When it came to the um, movie end, um, it was really simple to entertain people or to get them to thinking about things, about different cultures and things. So um, I loved it when we had all these different kind of uh, films and the audiences reacting to them. And, um, and even when it became just home video, I just felt like, well, we're getting these films, because we didn't rent out too many Hollywood films. It was all kind of stranger stuff, a wider thing, and a lot of international films. So I felt like we were just educating people in, in an entertaining way. So I thought we were getting that out and being different than everyone else I loved. That goal of highlighting alternative movies truly brought a unique community together and offered them an opportunity to share the celebration of these movies. Because of that special experience, TLA is remembered very fondly by many in the alternative crowd. It had a big effect because uh, just on Facebook uh, a couple of weeks ago around the holidays, um, there was a string of conversations with people reminiscing about their times going to the movie theater. And all those people have to be like at the earliest, I would say, in their late 40s. And, um, and people, it was kind of, back then it was a little different. It didn't have uh, instant communication. It didn't have the internet. It didn't have all the ways you could watch a movie. If you didn't see it at TLA, you never saw it because there wasn't many other choices in Philadelphia. So, um, and it was alternative. So a lot of people found, uh, found what they were looking for cinematically in the movie theater there. In fact, alternative is kind of what TLA was known for, down to the tattoos, mohawks, and anything else you could imagine. TLA was home to all of those so-called weirdos and unhirables, as Ray jokingly likes to say. Like all our staff was either uh, mohawks or the piercings or the tattoos and stuff and people would complain to me you know, I said, you know that's us you know it's like it's it's the whole alternative world there was one guy I thought we'd have him for the rest of his life he had tattoos his whole face I thought who else is gonna hire him but then he got another job somewhere so someone else would but I always liked hiring the unhirables still as much as TLA had a reputation for being alternative in that way it began to be represented in many different ways, depending on the crowd. All my partners at TLA were straight, so even though I was the, the president and founder, a lot of the staff were straight, so that um, TLA had an unusual perception. It was considered a straight company to straight people and a gay company to gay people. Um, and it was that way with the movie theaters, because uh, uh, the, a gay crowd would come in, and then an art crowd would come in, and then Rocky Horror people would come in later on, so that um, TLA represented to each audience something different. Even with those many representations, TLA provided some of the most care and attention to its LGBTQ viewers through its LGBTQ film festival. It wasn't created for activism or to take a political stand, but simply to highlight a community that wasn't present in the mainstream. When we started it, um, I didn't want anything to do with politics fundraising, AIDS. I just said, I just want it to be entertaining for people coming. I don't want to get involved into anything other than that. And so for those 19 years, we didn't have fundraisers. We didn't have sponsorships of causes and things like this. It was The whole object was to present films. For Ray, it was as simple as that, present films. And luckily for him, 
Philadelphia had no problem with that. Philadelphia, even in the 19, mid-90s, was very receptive to it. So it was a hit from the beginning. We never had any problem. The city always helped us. So it was pretty good. And there was no, in a certain way, scandals or problems, you know, financial things or anything like that. It was, a, it was well run and well received. That great receival was crucial because it helped the LGBTQ film festival continue. Even though it had no political goal, it had a huge impact. The film festival portrayed a different world from most of the other conventional gay characters or films at the time. You have two things, the type of films that were being made and also the audiences watching them. So the type of movies back then were pretty simple. They were coming out tales or documentaries, it was AIDS. There was a lot of uh, uh, more simplistic films. And you didn't have um, the characters, the more well-drawn characters that you see in films today. There's still not nearly as much that should be made, but um, it's all based on money, really. So it's, um, and then also back then, big actors never wanted to play a gay role because it was, they were afraid that it was going to affect their career. So it stayed in kind of an independent bubble that, like... Young people would make a movie, you'd show it at a film festival, you'd maybe get it out on, on video, and that would be the end of it. Um, and very few bigger films were ever made. And then since then, there's been a ton of uh, blockbusters, and, and uh, there's no longer that stigma of someone playing a gay character or something. That's just, you know, people do it now. Today, LGBTQ filmmakers and viewers have an imperfect but better experience, as Ray said. And it got to be this way because of events like the LGBTQ Film Festival and people like Ray, who continually and loudly support LGBTQ film. In fact, the LGBTQ Film Festival with TLA was inspired by the encyclopedia Ray wrote years before, documenting every LGBTQ film, character, and underlying theme or subtext. I realized no one ever wrote a book about gay film um, in, in the way I wanted to. There were books out there, but... I wanted to do an encyclopedia, so um, so that was what really got me going. And then after I started writing the book, I thought, well, maybe I should expand it. So that's when we got into the festival and stuff, and and it just kind of was kind of natural, but it was a side obsession. Writing his book was especially difficult because of the severe lack of representation at the time. Um, it took me about a year and a half to write. Um, it was it's thick. It's like 700 pages, I think, something like that. So it was a lot of uh, film watching and stuff. Again, it was harder back then because you didn't have... It was written in 1995, so so many gay films have been made after 95, but this is all before, so it was a little bit harder to find things, and I was always searching. Because of that, some of the writings in it are far stretched from canonical, but that makes them even more interesting to read. One such example was Ray's piece on Joel Schumacher's Batman. The Batman version that was directed by Joel Schumacher, um, in which I wrote a completely uh, gay interpretation of the movie. And surprisingly, Joel Schumacher, who's made a lot of big Hollywood films, um, contacted me and to totally disagreed with my interpretation, even though he's gay too. And, um, and we argued for it, about it all, and. Uh, he, uh, in the end, he wanted me to change it, and I ended up not changing it. But, um, and I stand by it, because if you watch the film and you read my thing, you can read the codes and the little things in the film. 
that he as a director might not even realize he's doing, but maybe because he's gay and he's, he's has some kind of point of view, um, it comes out in the movie, and it's up to us to interpret that. And Ray's interpretations may not have been accepted by Schumacher, but his book, his film festival, and his entire company are all incredibly important regardless, because they publicized and popularized gay media, unlike most things of the time. I wanted people to know um, about the gay lesbian world through film, and so that it was, uh, I pushed it a lot, I thought. And, um, especially with the film festival, and then with the book, and then uh, having sections in the store, of gay lesbian sections and stuff. And, um, I just thought it was like pushing the social envelope a little bit through entertainment. That pushing of the envelope is exactly what made TLA and its film festivals so special. It gave a home to any and every kind of person, and provided a place where they could see their lives truly reflected on the big screen. Films are sometimes the first thing you see to to see images of yourself that you don't see reflected in the general audience or, or your family or your friends. And um, it has, for, for me, it was the case seeing a lot of those films in the beginning. I just thought, oh, wow, I, that's something. I thought I was the only one. So it, it worked that way for a lot of people. Representation is more important than most of us ever realize. And even when it's through flawed and troubled characters, it still means so much as Ray shows through one of his first experiences seeing a gay character on film. When I first saw like Boys in the Band and there was this film called Satyricon and a couple other um, films from the 60s and 70s and the characters, uh, Killing a Sister George which is a great lesbian film but they're like horrible characters. They, they fight and they scream and they're full of self-loathing but I still identified with them. Um, the, the power of a movie um, I, I kind of associated myself with them, and, and I, I don't know what it does, but it empowers you in a certain way. Uh, and now when you see more positive characterizations, and you know, or I love a film when you see a gay character, and there's really a lot of them, um, where the gay character is just gay and it's not important, or they don't even have a subplot, it's just you find out they're gay. And I love that part because it just becomes normal. Whether it's a huge storyline or simply a dimension of the character, representation is crucial. But it's not the only thing. When representation does occur, it's extremely important to continually and monetarily support it and spread it as much as possible. Because it's all based on money. And so um, I saw over the years some really great filmmakers make movies and uh, never make another film because they lost all their money. Um, because it never clicked with an audience, or never got past that little kind of small crowd. Um, so supporting um, films and books and you know, concerts, everything about with, with LGBT um, artists and stuff like this, is very important to support it. And then there's one more thing to remember. That just involves you, but it's the most important and inspires a stronger LGBTQ community overall. Being out and being uh, vocal, I've always been um, much to even some of my friends say, okay, enough already. But I've always been very strong about it. Um, not so much political. Um, I'm not as politically oriented gay. I didn't go to rallies and stuff like that and, and stuff. But I felt I did it through uh, work because um, for years, since the early 80s, someone would be hired at TLA and the first thing, the gossip, they're saying, you know, the owner's gay. 
And back then it was kind of more important, or not scandalous, but stranger, that an out person was. And, uh, and I always thought that was good. I was like, I liked people knowing, because then uh, they see that you're no different than them. You know? and, it's like, and so it's all this kind of um, being open and kind of, not bold, but being out there. That openness is essential because it shows more than anything that it's okay to be gay. It shows proud and unafraid members of the LGBT community in everyday life. And nothing is more empowering to the next generation than that. You think today, oh, you grew up in a city or you, it's, it's 2018, you know, everything's normal. But I know people, young people today, I have a nephew who's in the closet. And I'm like, he tells me, but it's like he can't tell anyone else. I'm like, and you think, oh, it's, it's 2018. But, you know, it's the same problems of, that people face um, that they did in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. It's just, it takes this leap. So I think constantly when you see it in the mass media of seeing images of, of uh, LGBT people and artists and acceptance and things like that, that it helps, even though it's still a struggle for a lot of people. So number one, fight for representation everywhere, whether it's a big storyline or one line about a female character's girlfriend. Number two, support LGBTQ media like crazy when it does happen. And number three, always be out and proud of who you are. I remember my mother saying, you know, Raymond, I can understand you being gay, but do you have to be so gay? And it's like, oh, uh, yes.